Darley Rotier and a criminal case that shocked the world from deep in the heart of Texas. To set the scene, is a violent struggle in which two children, ages five and six, are stabbed to death with a kitchen knife. A violent struggle in which two children, ages five and six, are stabbed to death with a kitchen knife. Their mother is taken into custody. Nerves on all sides crackle in a tense Dallas courtroom as the prosecuting attorney approaches the jury. Thank you. I'll wrap this up as quickly as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, I intend to prove the woman pictured above, Darlie Lynn Rodier, stabbed and murdered her own children, Damon and Devon, while they slept in their own home on June the 6th, 1996. The evidence will show you that this woman, the woman sitting right over there, this spiritless creature with unbleached roots and fake airbag tits, conforms perfectly to the universally defined textbook definition of Predator Mommy. Although you'd never guess just by looking at her three-story mansion in the fashionable suburb of Rowlett, Texas. As soon as Darlia Rowdier moved into this home with her wealthy entrepreneurial husband, Darren Rowdier. She began snatching up all manner of things which she might better illustrate her financial success. Lighted water fountains, satellite dishes, jewelry, fancy clothing, and leather furniture. Even a Jaguar automobile. Bling bling, ma'am, bling bling. In 1995, the Rowdyers took several vacations. They bought a $9,000 Redwood Spa for their backyard, a $24,000 cabin cruiser for their lake, and in 1996, Dahlia Rowdyer had an expensive new baby named Drake, keeping her busier than she'd ever been with her two other children, Devon and Damon. But instead of investing or saving the money from her hen-pecked hubby's thriving business, the defendant preferred to spend the profits on herself almost immediately. It's no exaggeration to say that the very short time, the money just plain ran out. And there was now the matter of her over ever-expanding waistline. All that gosh darn weight from her pregnancies. No longer was she the glamorous center of attention in every room she entered. As if it isn't bad enough staring at banner ads targeting fat people every time you check your Yahoo mail. And all these fucking kids. Just Jesus Christ. No wonder she got so enormous. She must have said to herself as she looked in the mirror after showering. No wonder you're so hyperactive and excitable, desperately clinging to the belief that permanent perpetual motherhood might somehow fill the void better than a tanning booth or a new Range Rover. 
And where did my childhood go anyway? She says to herself. Don't I get that back? Anyone? I'm still young here. Who wants to take some E and go dancing with me? In the big city. But there would be no more ecstasy parties for Darley Rowdier. No more young hard-bodied lovers. No rolling on the bean. No methamphetamine. Only fat pills. Only Prozac, Xanax, Welbutrin. And a lot of them. Prescribed by doctors. Or in this material girl's immediate future. And this would all happen so fast and just keep getting worse for the young gal. When the Jaguars stopped running, like they often do, spend more time in the garage than it does on the road, Darley had no transportation and found herself stuck at home all day long with three little shits. This is Rowlett we're talking about. You have to walk miles in the hot sun just to go to the convenience store. The cabin cruiser on the lake, well, that wasn't working either. She couldn't get to it. Public transportation don't go out to the suburbs, lake houses, and cabin areas. Exacerbated by her inability to find inner happiness was the fact that her husband's business was starting to flatten out. This family of five had no savings account, no retirement accounts, and less than $2,000 cash in the bank. If Darley's mental state was a cartoon sound, it would be a sideshow Bob slide whistle, twiddling sadly from high to low. The situation was growing ever so bleak that on June 1st of 1996, five days before the murders, the Rowdiers tried to borrow a measly $5,000 from a bank in Rowlett. Because of their hemorrhaging credit situation, they were turned down at the bank. Darley Rowdier was becoming angry. The lifestyle she had grown accustomed to, the vacations, the buying sprees, the freedom, those things were starting to disappear. There had to be more life than this. How to get it. How to get back on top. Some things had to go. It wouldn't be the cedar-beamed cathedral ceilings, nor the French attic bathroom flooded with natural lighting. It couldn't be the espresso machine, but ah, the cutlery. The cutlery. That would prove itself indispensable component of Darley's preferred solution. If I could read you the transcript from the 9-11, or 9-1-1, first responders. 9-1-1, what is your emergency? Darley Rowdier. Somebody came here, they broke in, they just stabbed me and the ch- my children, they stabbed me and my kids, my little boys, oh my god, my baby's dead, Damon, hold on, honey. 911, ma'am, listen, listen to me now, Darley Rowdier, I don't know who it was, we gotta find out who it was, 911, I need you to talk to me, Darley Rowdier, some man came in, stabbed my babies, stabbed me, I woke up. I was fighting. He ran out through the garage, threw the knife down. My babies are dying. They're dead. 
Oh my God. 911. Is there anybody in the house besides you and your children? Darley Rowdier. No, my husband, he just ran downstairs. He's helping me, but they're dying. Oh my God, they're dead. 911. Listen to me. Calm down. Darley Rowdier. I feel really bad. I think I'm dying. Who would do this? Who would do this? 911. Okay. Dolly Rowdier. He ran out. Uh, they ran out in the garage. I was sleeping. Somebody who did it intentionally walked in here and did it. 911. Ma'am, hang, hang on. Hang on a second. Radio. Unintelligible. Dolly Rowdier. I saw them. Darren. Darren Rowdier. They came in here. Dolly Rowdier. I don't know who it was. Darren, the father, panicked. He attempted to perform cardiopulmonary resuscitation on Devon, who was still wearing his Power Rangers pajamas. He clamped his son's nostrils shut and breathed hard into Devon's mouth, but massive arcs of blood sprayed back from the boy's chest into his face, causing him to reproach. Darren Rowdier, unintelligible online. 911, listen, there's a police officer at your front door. Is your front door unlocked? Darley Rowdier, there's nothing touched. Officer, nothing's gone, Mrs. Rowdier. Darley Rowdier, y'all look out in the garage. Look out in the garage. They left a knife laying on. The God, I bet you if we could have gotten the prince, maybe, maybe, sounds of dogs barking. It was policeman David Wydell who entered and arrived in the scene. He sickened at the sight, reeling back from the overwhelming smell of blood in the air. Breathing deeply to contain his senses, he instructed Darley to lay towels across Damon and apply pressure to his wounds. She ignored him. She continued to scream at the officer that the intruder might still be in the garage. She described her attacker as a man of medium to tall height dressed entirely in black, t-shirt, jeans, and a baseball cap. 911. There's a knife. Don't touch anything. Darley Rowdier. I already touched it and picked it up. 911. Operator. Uh... It's all right. It's okay. Knife, knife, knife. And baseball caps and fucking fingerprints. Stop talking about that shit, lady. Now might be a good time to clamp your mouth shut already. Darley Rowdier might as well have used a potato peeler to whittle these kids down to wedgie-cut curly fries. She could have strung them up in the backyard lemon tree like a pinata. A plastic Safeway bag. Anything. Ridiculous statements like these delivered moments after a violent midnight crime in her own home quickly drew suspicion, and Darley Radier became the object of intense scrutiny. Everything authorities saw at the crime scene was laughably staged. The lack of blood trail away from the house, no footprints, no fingerprints, two adults fighting over a remote control would have resulted in more busted-up furniture, but there were no signs of a struggle or forced entry anywhere in the Radier home, either outside or inside. Okay, fine. A lampshade was askew, but the expensive flowers soaking in Evian water and lemon juice to keep them fresh, which lay beside a coffee table, fragile stems unbroken and unjostled, clearly hadn't fallen over. They'd been arranged. How did Martha Stewart get where she is today? Not by setting a perfect table and clipping deadheads off of the begonias, that's for sure. You've got to take what you want, whatever the cost. Detective Jimmy Patterson conferred with Dr. Townsend Parchman about Darley's bruises and neck slashings, allegedly perpetrating that the phantom intruder. The boys were maliciously forcefully attacked, but Darley's wounds were primarily surface and odd, like the doctors like to call hesitation wounds. That is to say, when the knife is deliberately cut into the skin, 
When pain is encountered, the person holding the blade freaks out and reflexively withdraws it. Like in self-harm cases. It's unlikely a killer would slice two people one way and a third in a different way. As she sat in the courtroom, Darlia Rowdier hoped the jury would believe she'd been suffering from traumatic amnesia and that she couldn't really recall the events of that night. Her recollection of the intruder's appearance had deteriorated to the point of being worthless. Nevertheless, the attack on these children was personal. The killer focused on the chests, FBI agent Al Brantley emphasized, almost as of going for their hearts. That indicates an extreme anger in the psychology of the murderer. Amnesia and extreme anger toward these two precious little angels sent from heaven. Gee whiz, let us never lose sight of interchangeable Devin and Damon alongside baby Drake. Three costly young boys assigned drippy melodramatic soap opera names ultimately destined for onomatopoeic dustbins of disaster. Christ lady, why not Dylan, Deegan, and Dakota? Or hey, what's wrong with Dalton? What about Darby or Duke, Dustin, Dugan, Dudley, Donovan, Dominic, Dolph, Dolan, Dixon, Diego, Dexter, Desmond, Derek, or Dermot, or Dennis, or Delbert, for that matter? And why not turn these cases into Dillweed and Dickweed murders? You're looking at what could have been the backstreet boys of the future generation. But Darley Rowdier robbed us of that gift. No matter how you choose to dress and fuss over these two foppish, would-be, homosexual, suburbanite, juvenile delinquents. With hearts that beat of purest gold, mind you. In this particular case, D stands for dead. Rumor has it when the morgue attendant zipped up what was left of little Devon and the body bag, an officer who considered himself a pretty tough dude, quote-unquote, turned his face away and sobbed noticeably, which leads us to exhibit SS1. Police maintained diligent 24-hour video and audio surveillance of Damon and Devon's grave site in hopes of catching Darley breakdown or confess during a private, somber moment of remorse. Much as a head trip as that shit is. They didn't want to wait long, and what would have been Devon's seventh birthday, Darley organized a posthumous graveside picnic party, sing-along ice cream social for her surviving, uh, her and her surviving family, where she was videotaped spraying a can of fluorescent pink silly string all over the freshly padded grave. She laughed, chewed bubblegum obnoxiously, and sang happy birthday. Out of tune, mind you. Local television station KXAS5TV, Kick-Ass TV, as it's known locally, was invited along to record the event, more or less negating the cops' need to maintain a covert surveillance in the first place. What's the use of having a police state when they just <laughs> when the news does our job for us? Horrified party guests stood mute and skeptical at first, not believing that Darley Rowdier was shrieking, I love you, Devon and Damon, without any noticeable signs of grief. One was reminded of that big old black lady who screamed, I hate you, Jeffrey, at the Dahmer trial, but in reverse. To justify her actions, Darley later said, if you knew my sons, you'd know they're up in heaven having the biggest birthday party you would ever imagine. 
And though our hearts are breaking, they wouldn't want us to be unhappy. But they'll be a part of us always, and they played with Silly String all the time. Darley Rowdier's defense team rushed to squelch the significance of the Silly String tape. Would the prosecution honestly have the jury believe this harmless candy-colored aerosol foam lends insight into the mind of a distraught mother? By concluding this can of Silly String was tantamount to some kind of murder weapon, God knows you can certainly annoy someone with Silly String. It's wet and wiggly, even ice-cold when first ejected. It's sticky and surprising, and then without so much as a moment's notice, it solidifies into a styrofoam-like consistency around your face. It restricts your breathing. It is impossible to remove from your hair. It robs you of your dignity, your self-respect, and maybe even your soul. But would that be silly enough for this Texas jury? You can hold the can against the side of your nose and shoot fake snot streams across the room while horrid, gurgling noises percolate from your throat. We all saw Big from Tom Hanks. We've all seen America's Funniest Home Videos where the 11-year-old birthday girl is sprayed by six party guests while blowing out her candles, instantly engulfed by flames, but the substance all by itself is harmless. The label clearly says non-toxic. Why don't we return to the gravesite in our imaginations, bailiff? You take the can while I put on this modest party hat. Now take three big steps back and hose me down. Give me a whole lot of pressure. A whole lot of good squirts up and down. Do it. We're having a wake. We're mourning the passing of two dead children now. Don't hold back. Soak me good. Shoot it out. Yes. Observe me now, ladies and gentlemen. Do I look like a crazy woman to you? Someone so insanely in debt and out of control on fat pills that I need to resort to murdering my own children just to get by? To fix that goddamn rusty boat sitting in the driveway? Get my husband off his ass? To get a second TiVo hooked up in the guest bedroom? Look into your hearts and heartbeats, and no doubt you'll see quite the opposite. This pink balloon's name is Darley Rowdier, ladies and gentlemen, and distraught, frantic mother. She was wounded that night, clinging to hope and life. Collapsing in panic while trying to dial 911 with her nose, the air is quite literally leaking out of her. She's making loud, squeaking sounds, and at any moment she might fly across the room, fluttering, flopping, only to melt on the radiator. It's all up to you, people. Don't let Darley Rowdier go pop. And gosh, I'd be lying if I'd say all that silly string didn't remind me of the big sloppy facials I've come to enjoy in my pornographic books and magazines. I'm not distracting the jury, your honor. Hear me out. I'm suggesting we ease back on our chairs for just a moment and take a break and enjoy some charts and graphs I spent a lot of time and money on at Kinko's. These huge blow-ups took forever thanks to the dim-witted and competent fools working behind the counter for minimum wage. Fucking assholes is what they are. It's Nazi Germany every time I set foot in that place. And you can't even sell printouts or computer time from them anymore. In late 2001, in a desperate bid to prevent millions of dollars worth of theft, each Mac and PC at Kinko's was equipped with a device requiring a valid credit card. So enjoy this slick paper and matte cardstock. It cost me well over a grand. Anyway... I know the blacks are more like browns and the color separation is a bit askew, but the thrust of my argument speaks for itself, ladies and gentlemen. Blowjobs and facials are America's favorite. We all love them, and we love Miss Rowdier for reminding us of that. And if Mouse Rowdier didn't commit this crime, what a fortunate assailant this must be run around this desolate Texas neighborhood. He goes in and brutally murders two children. He slashes their mother's throats as they're struggling face-to-face. 
He drops the knife and she wipes off his prints, picking it up, the murder weapon. He runs away but leaves Darley there alive. The one woman who could identify him and send him to the gas chamber and the hell forever. Then dope, she gets amnesia and can't remember what he looks like. This must be the luckiest goddamn child killer in the universe. And four days after being videotaped with Silly String, Dolly Aroudier was arrested and charged with double murder, found guilty, and sits on death row, guest of the state of Texas. She joins the ranks of very infamous child murderers, specifically in her own subspecies of mothers who murder their own children. And ironically, there are many cases, many such cases, as the meme goes, in the history of Texas. As murderous mothers, predator mothers, are real, real problem in the Lone Star State. I'll be trying to cover a lot more of these cases specifically. And this has been the first one. So thank you all very much for this true crime episode of the Beyond Top Secret Texas broadcast by Tex. Thank you very much for supporting me. Share this, share this, share this with the uh, true crime communities out there on Reddit, etc. Uh, let me know what you think of it, why I can improve it, everything like that. Um, trying different things, trying different approaches. This one's more of a comedic angle to it. It's a very serious crime. It was very fucked up, but hell, the idea of it being completely ridiculous on the face of it is not lost on anyone. Just how absolutely absurdly horrible this all was. So thank you all very much. She got what she deserved, which is now death penalty. So... Thank you all very much. God bless you and your families. Peace out.